Welcome to Fadeaways and Fundamentals. I am your host, Andre Pirano. Today's guest, former pitcher for the San Diego Padres, soon to be Hall of Famer as well, Trevor Hoffman. Let's dive right in. Here I am with Trevor Hoffman, 18 years playing, all-star, obviously a Hall of Famer. What is one word you have to motivate anyone? One word. Yeah, one word I would say discipline. I think it's something that crosses all barriers, to be honest with you. Uh, If you have discipline in all facets of your life, um, there's a pretty good chance that uh, you're going to be in control of things you want to be in control of and have the dedication to, uh, to see it forward. Excellent. Great. Now, I know that you and I talked before and uh, you were stressing how important uh, hand and eye coordination is. Can you elaborate on that? I think it was kind of based off of a ping pong conversation we had. I think it's maybe not overly suited, let's say, if you're a soccer player because you're going to be playing with your feet. So um, I think that in relation to what we were talking about as, as baseball goes, the kids that I see that have the ability to handle the paddle and, and play ping pong at a high level, seem to have the ability to slow the game down with some, some hops that they might get. They can read a hop to get a better feel of being able to field it and, and get rid of it. So uh, I think that was a gist of that conversation uh, as far as ping pong goes. Plus it's fun. I mean, kind of get a, a chance to see how kids are going to be competitive and um, how engaged they really want to get. Absolutely. And, and I, I can agree with you on that. I can say, you know, with my son, he plays basketball, and I would say hand and eye coordination is a key with not only dribbling, but shooting, passing, and just the fact of the ping pong, it gets them away from the main sport that they're always playing. Yeah, and I think, you know, you don't want to get too in-depth with it, but I mean, to set up certain shots, you have to have a, a type of body language. You have to put yourself in a position to be able to handle the, the shot that's coming to you and how you want to deliver um, your return shot and so in basketball you're doing a lot of reading of the court and a lot of reading of your defender how you're going to find some space to be able to create and do the things you want to do and uh, even though they're very subtle and it's just on a small ping pong table there's a lot of things that can help in that sport as well right number two um, what I like I mean obviously you're still uh, very fit how did nutrition play a big role in becoming yourself yeah, successful. I, I, don't, I don't I don't really think it was something that I thought about at the beginning of my career mm-hmm. and then I know so much with age but just the onset of you know what, what what's in our food what what are we eating that's you know so important and you know I I played through the PED era and I think <laughs> yeah. that the one thing I always remember from my childhood it was my mom just said hey man just eat three squares you're going to get plenty of nutrition you're going to be able to grow you're going to be healthy um, I mean, she obviously wasn't thinking steroids. She wasn't thinking supplements, even though I grew up with one kidney having lost it at a young age. Oh, wow. Um, Never even knew that. So it was important that I had to, one, stay hydrated, and two, be careful not to overload the amount of protein that you would get from some of these uh, supplements because my kidney would have to process it. Um, and so I think I started paying a little more attention on what was being served in the, in the locker room, where I was going to eat in restaurants and how I was going to facilitate trying to stay strong, trying to stay healthy, trying to grow, and and you got to do that with nutrition. Wow, so at a young age you did learn how to eat correctly, obviously. Well, mom provided on the on the table what we were going to eat. Um, you know, like I said, three squares a day. It was breakfast in the morning before we went out to school. Had a little bit of a hard time paying attention in class, so it was a cup of tea, her being English, so that was my little 
<laughs> pop of caffeine, you'll say, that allowed me to kind of stay locked in. Brown bagged the lunch and then it had a meal on the table at dinner at five o'clock. So um, there wasn't, and, and some ice cream for a treat at the end of the night. So it wasn't, you know, rockers, which wasn't preparing stuff from organic farms down the street or something like that. But, you know, I think back in the day when we go to the market, it wasn't quite as thought of as being. I was going to say, there are not bad. too many, yeah, not too many hormones, obviously, right. in the food back then as it is now. Now, your workouts, I, I see that you have the hugest calves and legs. So, <laughs> obviously, were your workouts more focused on legs, like sprinting, um, agility, or was it like <laughs> squats and stuff like that? Yeah, no, it's, it's kind of a combination of everything, to be honest with you. I think more than anything, genetics. My dad had a strong lower half, he had strong legs, big calves, and it's not really great to try and move very quick. There actually makes you slower, to be honest with you, but there was some <laughs> power in there in delivering a baseball. Right. I based a lot of my, my workouts around running. One o'clock in the afternoon, I'd get to the yard and it would be a 15, 20 minute jog. Sometimes a little bit more uh, effort, just depending on when I'd been used. Um, to try and flush some things out, but also for the mind and it keeps you strong. Uh, mixed in some sprint work as well. And so the core and the legs were vital to my success as a pitcher and being a transition guy, being a guy that went from being a regular in college and in high school and even the first couple years of pro ball, the weight room was a different animal. You, you wanted to move as much weight as you could back in the day and, and try and get physically strong. And so in school, I was introduced to deadlifts and squats and power cleans and snatches and stuff that was going to take a, a certain level of execution in the weight room, but also it was going to build your legs. And so I think that foundation I, I built obviously was there when I when I transitioned to pitching. Right. Now you mentioned core. So obviously uh, core had a lot to do with with your pitching. Did did you focus on core, you know, every, every day? Every day. Every yeah, day, every day really. it was kind of, the, you know, it was like Groundhog Day. You get done with my run and then it was continue to work on other facets of the, the body that needed uh, attention and core is certainly one of them. So it was planks, it was sit-ups, it was, you know, all sorts of flutter kicks, things like that, that, uh, you try and keep it fresh with different movements, but certainly the core is something you can hit on every day, and it was uh, important for a pitcher to do. I, I think core is huge. Um, I've had two back surgeries, and with basketball with myself, I have my son do a lot of core. I know that you have two boys, and they play baseball. One is actually at Harvard. Did you actually tell them that as well or have them do that workout, or do you kind of let them do their own journey in that I aspect? I, was, I think I was pretty lucky in a sense that you know, I got to play as long as I did, and they got to see kind of what my routines were, what I had to do to be successful on the field. And so if there was a need to kind of explain some things or if there was a desire, and as they got older, there was that learning process. But I think anything in life, we talk about discipline. We talk about another word for me is passion. I mean, oh, huge it can't, word it for can't me. be, you know, something that's lost on the – it can't be my dream. It's got to be – they saw me go through it. It was something I wanted to do. If it's something they want to do, they got to search out the information that's going to make them better. Great, great. Another one with all that working out and food, obviously, comes recovery. How, I mean, how was hydration, sleep? How many days off did you take? I mean, how was your recovery? I, I need to be ready on a daily basis, but, uh, you know, I think sleep is the most underrated facet of guys' training, to be honest with you. You know, it's not a, not a bad thing to take naps throughout the day if you have the ability to. Um, but if you don't get a good night's rest, yeah, you wake up tired. You wake up behind the eight ball. And so 
Uh, that was super important. I think sometimes throughout the day, guys feel like they need to amp up, and so they'll take you know monster drinks, so they drink a bunch of coffee or a bunch of cokes. And again, early in the part of my career, I felt like that was something I needed to do. But realized it was just all I was doing was spiking. I was up and down. You know, I'd come ramping up because I had the sugar and caffeine hit me, hitting it, and then I'd be coming out down the backside, maybe in not such a good time in the day when I need to be up to play. And I realized by just drinking water, it allowed you know my body to be able to function on a, on a cleaner level and uh, more reliable. And also, I didn't have to worry about trying to go to bed, forcing the bed thing. So uh, you go through a lot of different hotels, a lot of different beds. Sometimes you're not sure where you're waking up, but uh, a good night's rest is probably the most most important thing you guys misunderstand. Wow, great. Now, with all this, what we're talking about here, sounds like you were very mentally tough, whether it was uh, early in your career or even getting into your later career. Did that just come natural for you or did you have to like dig deep for that? I mean, everybody has their moments when they're going to get challenged, but I think it's the foundation that was built by my parents and that, uh, you know, you, you work hard in the mornings. It was make your bed. It was clean up your room. It wasn't no bull****. It was, you know, I try and pass the same thing along to my kids. It's like, if you're not willing to do these little things to set yourself up the rest of the day, then things going to get a little loose. and. That mental toughness comes from constantly being on vigilant on things that you can take care of. And uh, when things get a little bit awry, if you have control of what things you can, yeah, I think you're better suited to be able to handle it. Right. Now, has there ever been a point in your career where you felt like you were you were working so hard and you just weren't gaining enough? Therefore, you you felt like maybe giving up and somehow you got that inner grit true grit and got over that hump and oh you have ever had that well you know you only have one option um <laughs> either you go back and fight it again another day or you quit and i quit to me quitting wasn't really an option but certainly you wonder if you're, you're placing the game you still belong and that, that moment happened in in 93 i just got traded over to san diego i think the first road trip we went on was the back east of philadelphia a lot of rain this is mid-June, a lot of rain, rain delays, double header, game starts late, the second one, more rain delays. I'm sitting on the mound at 4.41 in the morning, giving up a base hit up over the shortstop's head from an opposing pitcher to lose the game. <laughs> uh, after I had a rough homestand, when I just got traded over against the, the Cubbies and the Reds, and I'm like, maybe, maybe I'm not cut out to do this. And so you kind of face that, that fork in the road. Which way are you going to go? Are you going to fight, continue to wake up and continue to fight for another another day, or are you going to quit? And I didn't feel like quitting, so I just kind of plow through it, and hopefully the things turned around. That's great. Now, uh, two more questions. One is you guys get to the World Series, you and Tony. You guys have a, a monster team, but you guys end up losing. You lose the series. How was that? How was that journey? Yeah, I mean, I think you look at it in a, in a sense that we got swept in four and we're in every game towards the end. So I think now that we sit and we're talking right now, it's kind of playoff baseball. It's it's a, such a different animal. We had such a great team with Cammy and Gogo and Q and Wally and and Vaughn and, and Finley and Brownie and Ash and Joey. And all these guys were just great teammates. And we competed all year long. We were a very good team. But momentum shifts pitch to pitch in the playoffs. And so it was devastating to, to one, not perform the way we all wanted to in the playoffs or in the World Series. 
But uh, it was almost worse not have that group come back. Free agency kind of tore us apart. Right. We were trying to get the vote on C. We weren't going to keep that payroll together. I think looking back, it was disappointing that we weren't able to have another run. Right. Last question. Your key song coming out to every game, <laughs> or out to the mound, Hell's Bells. Why that? You know what? I, I didn't pick it. Guy in the entertainment department came down and said, hey, Trev, you, you kind of come out to random stuff. You just kind of seem like you're looking for just noise and something that might stick. I have this song that I think might be perfect for it. It was kind of the same time that Major League, uh, the movie Major League was coming out and Charlie Sheen was coming out of the gates with Wild Thing. And he played Hell's Bells and he goes, there'll be this, these bells and then, you know, it'll go into the guitar riff and then some lyrics. And I go, yep, go ahead, man. You think it's going to be kind of cool? Let's, let's run with it. And first night, I got to come out of the pen and at Qualcomm and bells went off and I think it scared everybody in the stadium and it seemed to stick almost right away. So it, it was a lot of fun to know. I always had the ability to rely on that energy I would get from the song and the fans. Uh, yeah, I was just going to ask you that. <laughs> and there's been so many times that that song would come out and I was in the stands. And for me as a fan, I would go nuts. And then now looking back, I would notice the whole crowd absolutely just go ape when that song came on and they knew you were coming out and you just come out your head was down it seemed like you were just trying not to get too excited man <laughs> i didn't know i mean you come out and you were just like steel you're just like uh eh, no big deal were you just nervous as all heck or no, well, very focused not, not ner never nervous i think you're nervous when you're sitting waiting to get the call to go into the game and then that nervousness turns into anxiousness and can't wait to go and have some fun and compete and i think that's kind of that metal grind that we might uh, question we talked a little about earlier it's there's a lot of waiting around there's a lot of time to maybe those negative thoughts that kind of creep in and yet if you have the ability to kind of replace those negatives with positives now all of a sudden the moment doesn't get kind of out of out of control on you so the song was great i think it provided a lot of entertainment for people i truly did just try and keep my wits about me and enjoy the moment and know that you know the other team didn't want to hear that song get played because they knew that the end was coming <laughs> Love it. Love it. Thanks. Thank you. Thank you. Appreciate it. Uh, uh.